Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharshberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to another great episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. I'm your host, Mike Freeman. With us today, our guest is Shane Oruggio of 3BG Supply. You can find out more about Shane and his company at 3BGsupply.com. That's the number three, B as in boy, G as in girl, supply.com. Shane, thanks for being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, Can you tell our listeners a little more about yourself and 3BG Supply? Yeah, no problem. So, uh, my uh, best friend and I growing up, we actually co-founded 3BG uh, together in a hopes to uh, create some uh, simplicity inside of the distribution space in what we call power transmission, right? Okay. And um, we thought that there would be a value add for us leveraging technology to um, to be able to deliver a um, world-class purchasing experience for our clients. And uh, we were going to do that on the foundation of, of really acquiring just a ton of product and application data. You know, our thoughts were that as our industry changes and you start to see more and more Gen Z and millennials take over um, buying and, and positions of, of uh, power in our industry, Um, their purchasing patterns and what their needs are and what they want, the way they want to do business changes, right? And we really wanted to skate to where that puck was going. And we thought that with what you see out there with Amazon supply, you know, you see with Granger, a lot of these other, the big boxes and everything else, there's going to be a gap in, in the actual knowledge of how do you get this machine up and running again? Right. And we really wanted to leverage technology to streamline distribution to solve that pain for our customers. And so we've been having a really good time being able to just not acquire the data that we need for our teams, but growing our sales teams um, and teaching them the philosophy of, of understanding what we think is true salesmanship, um, what our philosophies are in sales, and, and how does that relate to the product offering? In, in industrial MRO, right? And how do we, how do we use those products to, to uh, identify either price savings, efficiency changes um, out on the, on the floor. So that's what we set out to do. And we've been having a blast doing that right now. And we're seeing tons of growth and experiencing a lot of, um, you know, growing pains along the way and, and failing a little bit and learning from those failures and moving on, just having a blast doing that. Um, so, I appreciate having me on and and being able to be able to talk about some of that stuff. So it's, it's pretty pat. We're pretty passionate about it. And we love being able to talk about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I went on the website and uh, it's 3BG Supply. And uh, I, I think I could be a part of the team. I know 3BG stands for three bald guys. So yeah, you'd be right in. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a, a little bit of a line to get in for that fourth BG, but <laughs> you gotta you gotta take a ticket, put your name in for sure. Sweet. I might do that. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your background and and how you got into this industry. Yeah, so I was uh, real blessed with uh, being able to be a part of a family-owned regional distributorship, where okay. we did a lot of lot of work with not just power transmission and industrial MRO products ourselves, but our focus at one time was really in the fluid power industry, and then we also owned a electric motor repair shop as well that was not connected to our facility, but right down the hills, what we called it. And so I got to learn a lot about those products just by, you know, starting from the bottom really and, and sweeping the floors, learning how to stock the shelves and learning what those products were. And then eventually I went on the road to help with our uh, belting teams. And what we would do is uh, vulcanize ben, uh, belts endless. And so I would help uh, with those crews uh, on the road and, um, eventually I got brought inside to help run the inside of it. And that's where I really saw an opening to this industry where I thought we need to, we really need to start chasing, you know, kind of skate to where that puck is going, like I said. And, and that's kind of where I learned the ins and outs of the back end of it and understanding the supply chain side, you know, understanding that we, I didn't really want to spend our time uh, worrying about turning inventory, but why don't we take that time and all that effort uh, use leverage technology and some great software developers that we have on staff now and kind of create, you know, access to the inventory um, without having to do all those things, you know? Right. And um, what this does is it allows for us to really drive home a white glove experience for our customers. Right. And um, you know, if you check out our reviews, you kind of get to see that, you know, the philosophy that I had as a young kid you know, just being overly customer focused translates really well right now where it seems that people need that service more than ever and 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 that knowledge more than ever as a lot of the knowledgeable guys are retiring out of our industry. Right. And so it all started there at a, a little regional shop in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Awesome. And uh, for those listening that might not know, can you explain what MRO is? Yeah. So maintenance, repair and operations, right? So when you're looking at, um, when you're looking at, uh, you know, if you're at a plant that, you know, makes flooring, or if you're at a plant that does, you know, if you're, you know, Ford, Mercedes, GM, any of those plants, all those products that are transferring energy uh, from one place to the next is really what our business turns into. It's really figuring out how do we metaphorically and physically um, eradicate, um, that, you know, that, um, the rub, right. You know, right. bearings in our world are, you know, one of the things that we supply, but how, <clears throat> but the bearings are what keeps everything going. Right. And we have to kind of understand from, from an industrial distribution side, the maintenance isn't just the products. Maintenance is also understanding how those things get scheduled. How do those maintenance guys live their lives, right? How, how does the repair portion dictate budgets, dictate people's free time, right? How do we, 
how do we take the O, the operations part, and create efficiencies for some of our clients? So that the MRO stands for maintenance, repair, and operations. But for us, it's a lot more because if you dive in, at the end of the day, people are people. And you got to understand that MRO is just three initials, but those there's people's lives that are attached to those to those uh, letters still. And it's very much as we are seeing robotics and automation take control uh, in a lot of our industries, there's still a lot of people that are over there turning wrenches, programming boards and doing all those things. Um, And that's, that's, that's what it stands for. And that also is what it means to us as well. Right. Uh, Now on the show, we're, we're always talking with individuals, CEOs, and it seems like the, some of the biggest issues are personnel, execution, supply chain. Uh, are you seeing those types of problems in your industry as well? I, I definitely see in our industry, and, and, and I would lie if I'm saying like we're not always dealing with it. I don't know if you would necessarily label some of those things as problems. A lot of those things are great opportunities for us. Okay. Um, but, you know, we've, we've worked with, um, we've worked with a lot of different partners you know, not just our supply chain, but our customers and and who they deal with on material needs and other things. And you hear a lot of people talk about that stuff. So for us, personnel comes down to um, one on the recruitment side, right? What are the, what are we trying to do differently to set ourselves apart to acquire that that talent? Right. You know, and sometimes people think it's they use the word culture as like a buzzword, but for us, like it's been such a real, a real and visceral thing for us to like really check ourselves and make sure we're consistently checking ourselves that that culture stays intact. I, I, we were had, we had a quarterly meeting this morning and I, I told a, a quick story about how we have every class of salespeople that we hire. Cause we do these in like waves there's always somebody from the class that looks up to me during like the introductory like dinners and stuff we do at the beginning and says, this is great. How are you going to keep this going? Right. And, you know, sometimes the answers doesn't necessarily, it definitely surprises them because the answer is it's their, it's their responsibility now. Right. Right. And I think that that helps us create not just, stickiness with our with our teammates and our employees but like it creates a you know that need that feeling of being needed right way beyond what kpis you're supposed to hit monthly what sales numbers you're supposed to hit right what financial budgets are you supposed to be managing it goes way beyond that because at some point you're responsible for the culture so if you see somebody that's a threat to the culture, it's very easy for everyone to rally around that and either coach that person up or, you know, pull that person aside, have a conversation with them. And, you know, worst things worse, they take something to, uh, to somebody that has to make, make a decision about it, or at least be known about it. And, and so sometimes you don't even see the, the negative effects of the culture, right? Because your team starts to own, own the, the passing of that torch, Right. So we had a we gave an award this morning. It was um, professionalism with a little bit of fun and weirdness, and that uh, award went to a guy that just got started in January. And the joke is that we felt like he's been working with us for thirty years, right? That's awesome. You know, and it's because he the culture was a good fit for him. He jumped right in and embraced it completely. <clears throat> um, 
And so the, the personnel is one thing is understanding if you're recruiting, what are you recruiting them for? Right. Right. What's that culture look like? Um, you know, a big part too is we're looking for true salespeople. So we hire everything from somebody that's, you know, we had our top salesperson from 2020. He was, before he came on with us, he was a D- Jimmy John's delivery driver. And now he's, if you look in our reviews, people are calling him a genius nice. for whatever problem he solved, you know, and, you know, trust me, he's highly talented, uh, but it's also really exciting to see us take a, a young green person and put him into an industry like ours, which is highly nuanced, you right. know, and then become effective very quickly. Um, I think it took him two years to get there or less than a year and a half. And so, you know, we love taking those young people that are completely green, but I love also finding people that are more sales tenured, right? right? And identifying who can still be coached and who's down to learn a new philosophy and who's, who's able to accept that philosophy and, and, um, and execute on that. And so that's, you know, some of the, the most satisfying moments in my job is seeing those people succeed where, you know, they left a job because they hated the culture. They didn't feel connected to it or whatever the problems were. And we were able to kind of take that person and turn them into uh, what we call an, a, an assassin. Right. And it's, it's been really fun to do that. So do we pay attention to personnel? Yeah. We pay a lot of attention to it. Is it a problem? I don't know if I would consider it a problem necessarily. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of our focus goes around just managing our growth too. And so I think that's something that you that you might see when you're talking to certain individuals in a show like this as well, you know. That's great. Yeah, cuz personnel I'm an entrepreneur and and one thing I cringe in any business I go into is who's who's on their phone. Someone's getting paid to work and there they are on their phone. And if I own that business, if I was that manager, uh and we're, you know, there's 40 and 50 and 60 year old people's doing this. It's not, uh, just, the oh, yeah, everyone's are, to them. yeah, we like to pick everyone's up the younger kids. Yeah. Everyone's got a phone now. So, mm-hmm. um, now with this last year as crazy as it was, what challenges has your company, uh, what did you have to face and overcome considering everything that went on? Yeah. See, I'm, I feel like I'm bragging every time you ask me a question here, but, um, <laughs> that's okay. You no, know, we, we set out to create a tech enabled distributor from the get go. So we're heavily, we're heavily leveraged on technology. We're also heavily leveraged in the fact that our, um, my business partner, Alex Smith is obsessed with our processes and procedures. Right. And it's a great, that's a great thing for me to have because I need that type of structure when I'm doing my thing, you know? And so for us, it was really a combined effort between our streamlined tech approach to this, you know, old dusty industry, but also the fact that all of our process and procedures, processes and procedures were so tight. It was really easy for us to flip the switch and get everybody remote. Okay. Now we missed everyone being together. And so we worked really hard, especially in Indiana. It wasn't, you know, we weren't as strict as some of the other states that you're hearing about. And so we were able to come back pretty quickly and get back together, uh, which was amazing. Um, so, you know, a lot of people had troubles 
adapting to that. For us, we sell on the phone all the time anyways. Right. Right. So for us, setting appointments, scheduling video calls, that's been something we've been doing for years. So that wasn't a big hardship for us. And we had just finally recently hired a supply chain manager and he was very quick to get up and and put together some reporting tools for us to understand how our supply chain was being affected. And because we represent so many manufacturers, so many distribution centers, so many dis- distributors as well that we work with, how many warehouses our supply chain actually represents, we never really slowed down. Awesome. You know, you know, there's some specialty projects where maybe something had to be made or something, you know, but nothing was like, there was nothing critical that was holding up our business. And if something, you know, if a warehouse shut down because of a COVID scare or whatever, it was really easy for us to kind of pivot the business to a different shipping location or somewhere else that could still be effective for us. And so that wasn't even a biggest issue for us. I think the biggest issue that I saw personally, because I was so close to our sales team during this time, was how personally affected some of our teammates would feel after having these conversations with their customers. Right. Right. Cause some of the, some of the, you know, we, we have a wide array of, of different customer types, but there's customers out there that were not doing well. Right. You know, one of our tier one accounts um, uh, laid off 64 people there. I think there's like, they were down to six people managing this wow. um, set of um, uh, rock quarries, quarries. And you know, you get so close with these companies, even if it's over the phone and through text and through email, through video chat, you get so close with these people. Our teammates were being emotionally affected by the news or the feedback that they're getting from their customers. And that was really, uh, that was probably the hardest thing that I saw them having to deal with during this. Um, It also, you know, really, it it brought out the, it really showed us how important it is for our, for our culture, for us to be together and to spend time together too. Even at 50 plus, you know, 40, 50 employees, right. You're looking at, you know, how do we, how do we, is there ways to keep meeting up quarterly and doing events together? And, and, you know, we had a lot of, you know, like a lot of people did, we did, you know, video calls like this over beers and drinks and stuff, or, you know, we tried our best to try and keep that consistent for our teams, but you could, it it was definitely tough for us to kind of just get rid of all the quarterly stuff we did together, all the cool events. Um, And, you know, everyone's still kind of affected by that now. So. So you mentioned uh, you're focused on growth. You you're growing year over year. Uh, where do you see yourselves headed in the industry or the, even the industry itself where it's headed? Yeah. I, I, you know, we're, um, it's a great question. So, you know, we're trying to keep steering this ship in the direction of like where we think our customers are needing us the most. And so it takes, um, it's kind of a, a boring answer, but our internal process of getting feedback from our salespeople and how they're, what they're seeing and hearing with their customers is really important to us because we want to be able to make sure that we're steering in those, in some of those directions. Right. And what we're seeing now is a lot of uh, support being needed in certain sizes of companies that haven't maybe have the budgets or the ability to, to really um, take control of 
of automation and the robotic side of our industry. Um, and so we, we want to be there for those people, but we're also understanding that, you know, the robotics and automation is a big part of what our industry is going to look like down the road. And are we supporting, you know, those types of businesses as well? So not necessarily the end users on those robotics too, but who are the integrators? Who are the people that are installing and maintaining um, these products? And that's, that's something that we're, we're trying our best to move part of the company into a position where we can excel in that service, but also not lose sight of who needs our help right now. Right. And so that's going to be a big thing for us down the road is making sure we understand where the ship's going and that we're steering it um, in the direction that our customers need us to. That's great. Well, I'm sure you'll uh, have continued success. It sounds like you guys are uh, cornering your market. Um, yeah, according to the few points that we get out of the market, right? We're still very small, but um, I think that's I think that's the fun part of it. You know, we have some very large corporate customers, right. and we joke. I joke around with them all the time about all the hoops they jump through and and red tape that they got to swim by. And um, you know, I'm definitely very. I'm I'm acknowledging the fact that we're still very small and young and can do some things now that we might not do down the road, right? And spending the time and being thankful in the now of how that works for us, right? And being happy that, it, you know, we get to spend our time this way. So hopefully we can keep doing that, see how long it takes. till the next guy says to me, hey, how are you going to keep this culture thing still going? It's going to be like, I don't know. I don't know how it works for there. Hopefully they can keep that responsibility, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I worry about that when you get to it, right? Yeah. We'll cross that bridge. <laughs> yeah. Cross that bridge. Um, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs themselves. Uh, you have a specific story. You mentioned some failures earlier. Uh, yeah. any, any specific story of failure that you can point out where it got you from point A to point B and how you learned from that and, and grew? Yes. Um, and it's, this is something that it's continued practice, right? It's, it's tough to just be like, Oh, I went through it and now it's completely fixed. It's not one, it's not that easy, unfortunately, but you know, for me, there's a few things that I want to keep, you know, regardless of what businesses we're a part of down the road. And even right now, there's a few things I think need to be important there's a lot of important things, but two things that really stick out to me, if I'm an entrepreneur growing my business and hiring people and trying to take off those hats off of your head, puns intended, the, um, a few things really hold true to me. And one is making sure that everybody on staff has a number, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone knows what their attribution to the business is, right? Like everyone understands that like, even the person answers the phone, you know, maybe it's three rings and you don't want that phone going past two, right? So her number's two. And so when you meet with her and you manage her or him and you're having that, those coaching moments, you have something to reflect on. Cause we, cause I visit so many customers, so many clients, I often see there's a separation there where people great managers, managers try to, to try to lead or try and manage a team. 
And if they don't have numbers, it, it just even great managers can have a tough time making that connection and steering the ship in the right direction there with that person. And so having a number that you can look to as a North star, I think is really important for each position. Um, so that's one thing that I would try to tell somebody if they're in the entrepreneurial mindset and in that growth perspective. Two is don't let your teammates feel afraid to fail, right? No, they should be afraid to fail twice on the same thing if possible, right? Like I said earlier, like we have like a philosophical, philosophical thing. Like I'm always, I always want to make sure my team has a number. I'm always trying to make sure that, you know, there's a, the feeling of freedom to fail as long as they're learning from it. And so if, if, if those are the two things I would knock on, it's, it's, you know, creating a culture where people can feel like they can take some, make some moves and not, not have to make, you know, be reprimanded for every mistake that they made, but almost, you know, we, we give, I think it's, And I haven't paid this in a while. So I wonder if I don't pay it anymore. Maybe somebody else pays this now that I think about it. But we used to pay people um, 50 bucks the first, the first, the first wave of hires, salespeople, that class that comes in, first person to get hung up on gets 50 bucks. And everyone's like, well, why would they hang up on me? Don't they need us? It's like, you think they want, they do. They just don't know you need them yet. Right. And in a life where people are being solicited on phone calls, Sometimes it's tough for our team to make a connection, right? right? So you have to be really good at quickly being like, hey, you just ordered this from us. I'm following up on this order. I want to make sure it went okay, right? right? And once that opens up, that really helps. But, it, but it's tough to it's tough to see exponential growth from your those teammates that are executing certain tasks every day if you don't let them fail. Right. Right. They're going to never be afraid to go the extra mile. They're always going to be afraid to make that one decision without you. And that's what you, and you know, as an entrepreneur, you need to be able to hold, let go of that, that, um, that branch a little bit. Right. Sure. And, um, and so those two things are something, those are things I would focus on if, if I was having that conversation with somebody that was really looking for that type of feedback. But, um, yeah, those are, those are a couple of things that I, I look at for sure. Yeah, that's great advice. I like the numbers thing. Uh, uh, I can see how in a variety of different uh, industries and businesses that that can be beneficial to salespeople, uh, receptionist. Uh, um, I worked on a construction crew, so certainly uh, getting X amount of pipe laid down every day or bricks laid down, uh, you know, not only is it a goal, but uh, if you if you get more than uh, you know, it certainly feels better to exceed those goals. So uh, yeah. I like that a lot. That's that's great advice. Um, before we run out of time, Shane, is there, is there anything else you want to mention or talk about? No, no. I just um, appreciate what you guys do um, with this channel and how it, you know, it does focus on a lot of things. A lot of the customers, a lot of the people we talk to every day. Um, so appreciate you guys for doing this and and taking the time to talk to people like myself and uh, get to share our stories with people and, um, you know, people can connect with me through, um, our website, of course, 3bgsupply.com. Uh, but also, uh, finding me on LinkedIn is usually the best way to communicate. 
if people want to reach out and ask questions or talk about anything. So um, appreciate you letting me steal so much time and, and, and thank you again. Yeah, I know it was great speaking with you. Uh, it sounds like you got a great team, uh, well-managed and uh, I'm sure I wish you continued success. I'm sure it's going to continue to grow. So, yeah, we hope so. I mean, you know, we, you have things that you got to deal with every day, right? It's not all, uh, butterflies and rainbows, but as long as everyone's marching in the same direction, it makes, it does make life a little bit easier, right. To, to when you are dealing with the hardships, uh, that you can at least know about them before they happen a little bit and have an idea of like how you want to manage them. Right. So appreciate those words, man. Hopefully we can do it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks again to our guest, Shane Arugio, 3bgsupply.com. Check them out, connect with them on LinkedIn. And to all our listeners out there, we'll catch you on the next episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. Shane, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain and would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harshberger or through my website, www.martinharshberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.